Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Kathy, and this is Karen. Today, we will discuss episode twenty-six of the story of Minglan or Zhu Fo Zhu Fo Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas dot com if you have any questions. For today's episode, we will do an episode recap, then discuss some of the history brought up during the episode. We'll have one character analysis, and then close with some book differences. This episode, episode twenty six, is more of a transition episode that will lead us into the more Uh, how should I say nefarious events that are upcoming? And as of right now, for this episode, there will be two main threats. First is Minglan's relationship with Qi Hong, the young duke. We begin episode twenty-six with the return of Grandma Sheng and Minglan to their home in the capital. As a way to greet them, Minglan's father Sheng Hong and his wife Wang Danyangzi or Madam Wang meet Minglan and Grandma Sheng at the outskirts of the city, at a temple. Once safely together, the family share major events that happened to both parties during these past few months. Madam Wang begins with a bit of happy news: Minglan's oldest sister Hua Lan. Gave birth to a healthy son. This is great news because if you recall, Hualan was struggling with fertility, and so having a son is a great blessing. This also solidifies her position in her husband's family. Beforehand, she only had a daughter, and this meant that her mother-in-law can treat her basically pretty poorly because she didn't have a son. Minglan is excused to visit her mother's memorial tablet. Can we all notice how her father doesn't really care about this at all? Or actually, he like looks down when Minglan brings this up. So again, it just shows how、mm, not great of a man Sheng Hong is. On the walkover, a young Taoist monk trips right in front of Minglan and slips a note of paper into her hand. It's quite subtle, and the ruse definitely works because I didn't catch it the first time watching. I had to rewatch a couple of times to actually see the the Taoist monk actually place his hand on top of Minglan's hand. Minglan gives her caretakers an excuse to be alone in the room to read the note. Surprisingly, it's from her aunt, Miss Wei, stating that she will be coming to the capital in a few days, and she needs to meet Minglan. I don't really know how the Taoist monk knew Minglan was who she is, or how the aunt, you know, directed the monk. But、uh, for story purposes, we'll just believe that happened. In the meantime, Gu Tingye has also returned back to the capital and is reunited with his nanny Chang Momo. 
He plans for his daughter Rongjie to go to school and asks for help from Sheng Changbai, Minglan's second brother. Sheng Changbai agrees and will ask his wife about it. The cutie Rongjie gives her thanks to Sheng Changbai and accidentally lets slip that they protected Sheng Minglan and the rest of the Sheng family on their way back to the capital. Sheng Changbai kind of rolls his eyes when he hears this. And just tells Gu Tingye, "Uh, why is it that anything that you do, like a good thing you do, you never want thanks for, and everything that is bad happens to you? You're like, yeah, okay, I did it. We also find out. I think this is probably the only time in the entire drama where we learn uh, Rongjie, so Gu Tingye's daughter's full name, and that is Gu Shu Rong. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a side note, but thought I'd mention." Back with Minglan the next morning, as the Sheng family is preparing to depart the temple, none other than the Countess of Yongchang or Yongchang Bojue Furen also visits the temple, which is Yuqingguan, Yuqing Temple. Upon hearing that Grandma Sheng is there, this countess heads to greet the ladies. She plainly declares that she wants to see Sheng Minglan. This countess is the one who hosted the polo match and was quite taken with Minglan after seeing her play. It's funny because the weather doesn't quite match here. In one scene, there was snow on the ground, and another, it's raining, but oh well. Just a small nitpick. Also, it's supposed to be wintertime, so it should be raining. I mean, sorry, it should be snowing, uh, but uh, I guess when they were filming, it's now raining. The Countess greets the Shum family ladies, and she begins a, you know, very pleasant and quick conversation by stating that she's here to pray for a good match for her youngest son. She then quickly turns the conversation towards the Duke of Qi. Apparently, the gossip has been that in the last few months, the House of Qi has not been very peaceful. Why? Because the young Duke, Qi Hong, has been waging a quiet war with his mother. This countess doesn't know much of the details, but apparently a maid who served in Qi Hung's room was killed. At this point, Grandma Sheng requests her leave. And after they leave, the countess sighs, saying that she's said what she's needed to say. Essentially, the countess said all of this to kind of warn Minglan and Grandma Sheng that the Duke of Qi is too high of a ladder to climb, but her house is much easier to enter. She clearly wants Minglan as a daughter-in-law, and she said all of this about Qi Hong because she knows Minglan and Qi Hong potentially have a thing together and wants to uh, give full warning to Minglan. Minglan returns home and urgently asks her maid about the events of the the Qi household. Her maid Denju confirms the events and even adds that it is suspected the maid who was beaten to death had eyes that looked like Minglan's. I think that is the only reason why Qi Hong was taken with the maid. That's also probably the only reason why she was killed for it. Later that evening, Minglan visits her grandmother, and Grandma Sheng decides to have a frank conversation with her granddaughter about the events that they heard this morning. She informs Minglan that the Countess of Yongchang, or Madame Wu, most likely has deemed Minglan as a suitable match for her son. 
This is a pretty high match for Milan. This is even higher than her eldest sister, Hualan. The topic then turns towards the Duke of Qi. Grandma Sheng tries to lay it out for Milan, using the example of her cousin Shulan from the previous episode. What if her life will be as terrible as Shulan's life? Milan's parents will not dare go against the Duke's family if Milan is suffering. Grandma Sheng tries to persuade Milan to be prudent and actually expresses her disappointment at Milan. Grandma Sheng says this line, You've turned your spirit upside down for a man. Have you forgotten all of my teachings? When I heard this, my reaction actually was, Yes, Grandma, this is what you should be teaching. This is exactly what you should be teaching. To be prudent, to be clear-headed. True love is nice, but you've got to protect yourself first, honey. And the reason is, is because Grandma Sheng married for love and look what it got her. Basically nothing. Minglan, on the other hand, in what I actually think is the first time where she reveals her true feelings, pleads to her grandmother to forgive her. Minglan states that she is willing to risk everything for the young duke. She has seen everything he has done for her and wants to fight for a potential future with Qi Hong. It's both heartwarming and heartbreaking. Minglan knows how difficult it is and will be for the two of them, but she's willing to make the effort. Now, do you think she actually loves him? Or, or, or do you think she just likes the concept of him? I think she just likes the concept of him. Like they don't, The thing is, I think in this time period, you don't actually spend that much time with the other person, but you're four, you're like, okay, I want to get married, you know? Um, I don't know. I think that's a, a question we should write on the polls and be like, fans, do you think Chi Hong or do you think Minglan actually loves or likes? No, she likes him, but do you think she actually loves Chi Hong? Well, after this conversation, the next scene turns to the big event for the episode, which is the Lantern Festival or Yuan Xiao Jie which is the 15th day of the new year. So this puts it squarely in like February uh, or early March. We'll talk about more of what the Lantern Festival is at the end of the episode, but as the Lantern Festival's name suggests, there is a myriad of lights and lanterns to enjoy. The Sheng family, sisters and brothers, partake in enjoying the view. And we haven't seen the Sheng family siblings in a while, so we're back to uh, Ru Lan being upset at Mo Lan's behavior while dragging Ming Lan along. The streets are packed with families enjoying the night and beautiful lights and actors and masks on the streets. It's a little overwhelming for Ming Lan, who is hoping to see someone... And as she's looking around, a masked man stops her and her maid, Xiao Tao. It's none other than Qi Hong's servant, Bu Wei, who sends a message to uh, Minglan to speak privately. Minglan makes an excuse and breaks off to a quiet alley. There, Bu Wei requests Minglan to give him a message to Qi Hong. As heard earlier, Qi Hong has been refusing to eat in order to force his mother to agree to allow him to marry Minglan. He's currently lost a lot of weight and is in quite a weak state, and Bu Wei wants to hear from Minglan so as to give Qi Hong something to fight for. Minglan is obviously moved, but as they're chatting, soldiers start clearing the streets. 
There's chaos out on the streets, but before Minglan uh, has to hurriedly leave, she says this to Bu Wei. Which more or less means, if he doesn't give up on the relationship, then I won't give up on the relationship. That's, I think, a pretty brave thing to say, as Minglan could have easily backed out by now due to all the stress and Countess Wu's um, uh, warnings. But no, she is willing to give this relationship a shot. Wu Wei leaves uh, to give this message to his master, and shortly after, the imperial soldiers, or just soldiers equivalent to cops, I would say, clear the streets of the festivities as everyone is forced to go home. This is actually quite unusual. So the next morning, Grandma Sheng and Sheng Hong discuss what transpired. Apparently, there was a rebel uprising that claimed several provinces, and there was fear of rebel spies in the capital. Thus, the Lantern Festival was canceled. But Grandma Sheng doesn't think that this is the case because in previous years when there was actual warfare, the Lantern Festival still continued. How can a much smaller rebel uprising that is far away cause such panic? Something isn't right. And who comes through this episode with all the gossip? Why, it's Wang Da Niangzi, Madame Wang. It turns out that the sister of Rongfei, or a favored concubine of the emperor, her name is Rongfei Yan, was kidnapped at the festival yesterday. We met Rongfei Yan in episode 16 during the polo match. She was one of the women observing the match when Minglan and Qi Heng were facing off against Gu Tingye and Yu Yanhong. The fact that Rongfei Yan is kidnapped is a big deal because as I just said, Rongfei is a favorite concubine of the emperor and therefore Rongfei's sister is also quite noble, right? Let's, let's say. For someone of this status to have been kidnapped means that there's a severe breach in security and this could be a big threat to the capital city. The Sheng family daughters are instructed to be very careful from now on. Let's pause right here. Round of applause to Madame Wang or Wang Da Nianzi's actress because she is just so on point when she burns herself with tea and asks for ice. She puts the ice in her mouth and is like, oh my God, let me, let me, let me try to, to, uh, to soothe this out before I start talking. <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious. In the very next scene, a woman is dropped from a carriage onto the street. She's passed out, unconscious and completely disheveled. Mm, I think there's blood, right? Ooh, not looking good. Passers-by recognize her to be the missing Rongfei Yan. That night, this Rongfei Yan commits suicide by hanging. This causes an absolute uproar for the Rong family. The Empress herself actually begs the Emperor on behalf of Rongfei to send out imperial troops to search for the bandits who did this. The entire Rong family is waiting outside the local magistrate's office, but to no avail. Several days pass and not a hint of who or what did this surfaces. 
When Mingling hears about this news, she astutely points out that something's fishy. Someone as uh, prominent as Rong Fei Yan doesn't just get kidnapped and who knows what happened to her without leaving a trace. And if so many people are out searching for her or the people that did this to her and there's still nothing, that's really odd. In the capital city, it's very, like the people who are coming in and out are heavily documented who lives where, who are the guests. Everybody knows where people are. So she's like, how is it possible that they haven't found anything? It is indeed very, very odd, all of these turn of, uh, this turn of events. But with all of that, we can surmise that uh, the relationship between Ti Hong and Ming Lan is going to be challenging. With all of that, the other main thread for the next episode start picking up in earnest as well. And that is about Ming Lan's mother's death. Given all of the chaos that happened in the capital city after the Lantern Festival, uh, Minglan takes this opportunity to seek her aunt at Yuqing Temple per the note earlier in the episode. This is a little dodgy for her to do as she's not supposed to leave the Sheng household, but she's able to convince Wang Danyang to let her leave. At Yuqing Temple, she meets her aunt and a surprise guest, Xiao Die. Xiao Die was the young maid for um, young Minglan and her mother back in episode one and two. She was kicked out of the Sheng household for having stolen food and supplies, but she has kindly returned to tell Minglan the truth. She was framed. She never stole any of those things, and uh, Minglan's aunt also brings another surprise witness, a Dr. Zhang that examined Minglan's mother one time earlier on in her pregnancy. As he states, this doctor all those years ago was invited by Lin Xiangyang. The doctor tells Minglan that he remembers telling Lin Xiangyang that as long as Minglan's mother avoided heavy foods and exercised, there would be no problem to the pregnancy. And this is the crucial line that Minglan then remembers what happened. Her mother was provided all of the heaviest, oiliest foods and was prevented from exercising too much at the request of Lin Xiaoyang. When she relayed this uh, piece of memory to the doctor, the doctor was furious, saying that if this happened, the mother would have had a baby too large to be born and would die. And if we recall, this is exactly what happened. Minglan can barely contain her fury, and this solidifies the truth to Minglan that the person who killed her mother was none other than Lin Xiangyang. The episode ends with Lin Xiangyang, whom we haven't talked about in a while, suspecting something might be amiss with Minglan, as she's been leaving the house more frequently, but has no proof Minglan is on to her and what she has done to uh, Minglan's mother. So, that was the recap. Rongfei Yan died, and Minglan has learned a lot more about her mother's death. The next episode will dive into the aftermath of the events of this episode, but it is now time for some historical analysis.
let's start off with the Lantern Festival, Yuan Xiaojie or Shangyuanjie. The Lantern Festival is celebrated on the fifteenth day of the start of the new year for the lunar calendar. It ends the two-week festival to celebrate the new year, and people, since time immemorial, went out to celebrate with a sky full of lanterns. And this is the first full moon of the new year. Yuan Xiaojie is still one of the biggest festivals celebrated today in China. The first records of celebrating the festival dates all the way back over two thousand years ago during the Han Dynasty. During the Song Dynasty, the festivities lasted five days and nights. Men and women were able to be out on the streets and participate in games such as lantern riddles, and watch an array of things such as fireworks, dragon dances, or people on stilts. Or you could just enjoy the lanterns. People looked forward to this festival because it meant people, no matter the status, could go out and enjoy. As we see the ladies of the Sheng family out in the streets, this would not be allowed in regular times because women of their status could not freely enjoy the streets themselves. The main food that people even now eat during the Lantern Festival are sticky rice balls called tangyuar with various fillings. Such as sesame, red bean paste, or peanut butter. Some other places call it Yuan Xiao, the name of the actual、uh, festival. The reason people eat this, and I actually quite like them themselves, is because the name is a homophone for union and being together. So it signifies that a family is together, kind of like the Moon Festival. Chinese people like phrases that signify good things because it means that it'll bring good fortune if you eat them. The Aoshan, as mentioned in the drama, is just a huge mountain made of lanterns. The next thing we'll talk about, and it was just like an interesting snippet,、um, actually, is about ironing. In this episode, we have an extended scene where Minglan irons clothes. Yep, that's right. In China, they had tools for ironing dating back over twenty five hundred years. The earliest physical records of iron presses date back to the Western Han Dynasty, so、uh, around the same time period as when this、uh, Lantern Festival began. People would place heated coals or wood in the iron presses to smooth out wrinkles in clothes. Over the centuries, as silk became more abundant,、uh, especially amongst the nobles, ironing was very important to upkeep the clothes. During the Tang Dynasty, there are written records and paintings of maids in the imperial palace ironing clothes for their masters. By the Song Dynasty, people invented a contraption that combined ironing with incense, so that、uh, the clothes smelled even better. That's more or less it for,、um, I guess, culture and, and history in this episode. That I think you know we wanted to talk about. So next, Kathy will chat about some character analysis. The one character I want to discuss today is actually Countess of Yongcheng, or Madame Wu, or we've called her Countess Wu as well. We haven't seen much of her in that many episodes, but it is quite obvious that she is very taken with Minglan. Even though she is a countess, she clearly aims to have Minglan as her daughter-in-law and have Minglan marry her youngest son, Liang Han. Do we think Madame Wu is very progressive? 
She doesn't care about Milan's status as a shunu and clearly favors her over Molan. Let's keep this in mind of why she does actually prefer Milan. This makes Countess of Yongchang a pretty impressive woman, right? It seems, okay, pretty progressive. She doesn't care much about social norms or social status. Great. Uh, not so fast. We will see in future episodes exactly why Madame Wu is willing to overlook Milan's birth status. Hint, it's because her son is not all that great, and uh, her son is has run into some trouble. Karen, the first time you watched this, what did you think of Wu Danyangzi? I'll be honest, I like forgot who she was, because <laughs> I do think in this drama, there's like too many people, right? Like the lady who died, Yongfei Yan, it took me like five five times to rewatch this to be like, who the heck is she? Why does she matter? <laughs> so that was that's why we have this podcast for for even me to uh, figure out what's going on with all these people because I don't think the drama actually does that great of a job like reminding you of who is what and you literally have to rewatch this drama like five times to uh, get what's going on. Eh, so I guess you didn't really care about who that announced. No. I, <laughs> I personally was just like, oh, she's here giving a message that Ti Hong is, uh, you know, fighting for, for Minglan and that it's troublesome. Nothing else. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's conclude with book differences. So there isn't much to discuss this week because most of it doesn't happen in the book, especially the whole storyline with Milan and her aunt. I've said this again or several times. Milan doesn't really care much about her mother's death in the book. They add this storyline for dramatic purposes, of course, in the show. The show does greatly enhance the storyline between Xi Hong and Milan, so a lot of the pieces with the Lantern Festival also doesn't happen. What does happen, though, is the mysterious death of Rong Fei Yan. This gets more screen time on the show, and this, the events surrounding her death will be discussed at length in the next episode. In the book, it's basically a line and kind of dismissed. Uh, and poor Tsi Hong has to suffer the consequences, but we'll see more of that in the next episode. Well, that is it for today's podcast episode. What did you think about Tsi Hong's, uh, I guess, actions for love? Would you be moved by a duke starving himself in order to marry you? Are you scared about uh, this death of this uh, highly powerful woman? Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.